Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Murder Board Podcast. I am your host, Walter, and tonight I am joined with Roderick. Greetings. And joining the podcast for the very first time, my older cousin, Zai. What's up? Welcome to the show, Zai. Thank you. I feel honored. It's a blessing to be on here. Yes, yes, yes. And tonight we will be talking about two movies. We'll be talking about Fright Night from 1985 and then the 2011 remake, Fright Night. So if you haven't seen either of these movies, this is your spoiler warning if you have... I hope you enjoy our little show here. All right, guys. So new series. I know these episodes are kind of coming out very late and out of whack. But currently, as of this recording, it is the beginning of June. And what my plan was is just talk about vampires. We've been teasing vampires for a while now. Um, a while back, me, Emery, and Nolan covered the Twilight movies. And we've kind of teased vampires here and there. But now we're going to fully talk about it. Also, I feel like, you know, we started the we started the year off with wolves and teen wolf so what better way than to flip the coin and uh so the month of june i called it june want to suck your blood because we're going to talk a lot about vampire movies now wanted to start off with just my favorites because i love these movies and i feel like a lot of people have not seen them but um fright night man oh man i i love fright night i'll get into the story of how i watch these movies later on before we get to there i want to talk about just just to kind of start the conversation off Number one, just give us, give me your overall opinion on vampires and like as a genre of film or just as a monster or whatever. Uh, Roderick, you can start us off, but what's your opinion on vampires and how they work in film? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my opinion on vampires and how they work in film, I think classically or historically, I would say pre-Twilight, just to give it an actual time thing. I think they work the best just because it, the vampires have like that darkness and that sensuality that I think really works for them versus kind of post twilight. And it gets a little bit cheesy, almost and more um, teen romantical. So it's, I'm a little bit split, but I prefer kind of the older idea of vampires. I do think the concept is really cool though, just because vampires in general, like how they attack and their mystique and everything, it can be a, a really cool metaphor for a bunch of other things. So overall, I think the creature itself is really dope. All right. All right. All right. Uh, jumping over to you, Zai. How do you feel about vampires overall and just vampires in film and how that all works? Of course. Um, thank you again for having me. But uh, vampires, I'm a big fan of vampires. I've always been a fan of the war, right? Werewolves and vampires. But yeah. vampires have always intrigued me. For some reason, just because the immortal factor, and it's it's kind of interesting how not every vampire movie sticks to the same rules and uh, and uh, same same story necessarily. But vampires alive, I do enjoy a lot of vampire movies. I'm not an expert by far, but I do enjoy um, them by far. And the movie we're gonna talk about, the the um, the old one, 1985, Fright Night, is amazing. Hey, hey. Uh, I can't wait to get into it then. Um, really quickly, Zai, just because I try to ask every new member of the podcast is or a version of this question, but again, we we mostly do we know we mostly cover the horror genre here and all that entails. Um, growing up, honestly, do not remember. But have you have you been a fan or are you a fan of the horror genre? Have you always been a fan of the horror genre? What's your overall, you know, opinion uh, on horror movies? Um be honest i was not a big fan of them i uh 
my family was for sure and i remember the first horror movie i watched and that totally just scarred me and i didn't watch any horror movies for a while it was uh jeepers creepers Ooh. and um Ooh. yeah and i was i was pretty young during that time and i, I watched it and uh, it just scarred me. But uh, now I'm starting to get back into them. Um, they have been, I guess, a few that I like so far, but um, that's a later discussion. But I never really liked them, but I turned around. I'm trying to get into them more now. I'm enjoying them. I'm getting less afraid. The confidence is up, guys. <laughs> hey. Gotcha. Man, and again, real quick, and then I'll move on. But um, just a side thing, because I'm going to get into, like, my – horror history is mostly next week when we cover one of my favorite movies but um man i think i've mentioned this before Roderick, on whatever episode we've done this on but there is a summer there was a time in my life where we spent the summer in north carolina which is where my cousins i lived for when we were younger and during that summer is when i first started getting into horror essentially like it was right after eighth grade but i hadn't started freshman year yet so i hadn't mm-hmm. come to Cambridge. but it was like right after eighth grade and people i know the story eighth grade is when i watched child's play for the first time where i was kind of forced to watch it and that's what kind of like popped that little cherry of like oh i think i like horror movies now i think i like horror movie making and so that summer me and my brother spent a time in north carolina at zai's house and it was around that time where I was really starting to kind of like test the waters and see where my limits lied or, you know, where I could go. I was really a big fan of Chucky. And so during that summer, I just I, I got too big for my britches and I just like I got a little bit too uh, overly excited because uh, right at that time, we, I remember our aunts and our cousins, we all got together, rented a, a bunch of horror movies um i can't remember for the life of me what they were but really my point is that i was i had not yet fully matured enough to take in horror um so i was still treading with a lot of like uh like thrillers like i remember p2 was a big one that we watched friday 13 2009 i had seen it by this point but i didn't fully understand it but uh it was when i watched Candyman for the first time and that was definitely in north carolina at the house um it was very dark it was very late at night and we all decided to just huddle in the living room and we watched Candyman. or really i kind of like listened to it because i like stayed behind and it freaked me out so much to the point where i couldn't sleep <laughs> and i don't know if you remember this Zai, but i kind of forced you to like you know take like all the lights from your room and put it into the little tv room that we were sleeping in <laughs> and from that day like even then i just couldn't sleep and so the next day we went to like this like science museum and i was completely like tired i just i stayed up that entire night because i just like i don't want to close my eyes because i don't want Candyman to get me i wouldn't even use the bathroom <laughs> i couldn't even use the, the bathroom yes and they had very big mirrors in their house Zai, i don't know if you remember any of that at all but i do no i don't really remember that but i i can understand where you're coming from that fear of not even wanting to use the bathroom yeah it's like i'll hold it <laughs> yeah and knowing our family the bathroom is kind of like our second domain like that's where everybody kind of resides to <laughs> yeah all right so vampires as far as i go um i'm okay with vampires i'm okay with them i think they're cool in concept i think they're scary in concept um 
as I've gotten older, again, being the fan of Teen Wolf that I am, I've resulted to supporting werewolves all around. I don't think I still think werewolves are get the kind of like short end of the stick. Like they're not the supernatural creatures people go to, which sucks because there's a lot to mine there, especially with where what what werewolves tend to mean. But I also understand there's not a lot you can do with werewolves, but you can do a lot with vampires because they can literally take any kind of shape. They have unlimited amount of rules, like Zai was saying, but they also can do anything. I was not a fan of Twilight growing up, and I'm still not. I, I respect the movies for the the memes that they are now, but um, wow, yeah, <laughs> uh, you can, I have a whole podcast based on that. Um, but I do like uh. As we'll get into now, when we talk about Fright Night, I'm a huge fan of like '80s vampire movies. Like that, the '80s era of vampires are where I think vampires thrive the most for me. I'm also a fan of the original Dracula. Like I, I read the book, the play. I love the like original Dracula like story because it is just dramatic as hell. And Dracula is just really a petty person. But like, you know, Vampire Second, more just like causing drama against people. If you ever, if you read that book, you understand. Um, so I do take a lot of inspiration from that original story. I did like True Blood. I know True Blood was also a big thing about our family when it was on, when it came out. I, re- I really started getting into it 2020 when everybody was locked down. It was one of those series on HBO Max where I was like, all right, I'll go through it. And I liked it. I liked True Blood a lot. I like what they did with the vampire lore. A lot of it they borrowed from werewolves. But uh, and then it kind of, you know, everybody knows this. But the last season I jumped off. I was like, well, this got ridiculous. But as far as that goes, I mean, there's tons and tons of other stuff I like. But I don't want to spoil it too early it's because we just started the series. And I want to keep it focused on Fright Night. So we're going to take a short little break. And then we're going to talk about the original Fright Night from 1985. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. This could be the night of your life. Fright Night. Coming to your neighborhood this summer. All right, we're back. Let's talk about Fright Night from 1985. Holy, I love this movie so much. Okay, so Fright Night 1985. It was released August 2nd, 1985. Written and directed by Tom Holland. Not Spider-Man, but the director of the original Child's Play. And a famous writer-director. The film stars Chris Sarandon, uh, William Ragsdale, Amanda Beers, Stephen Jeffries, and Roddy McDowell. And the 
the plot goes as such. Teenager Charlie Brewster is a horror film junkie. So it's no surprise that when a reclusive new neighbor named Jerry Dandridge moves next door, Brewster becomes convinced that he is a vampire. It's also no surprise when no one believes him. However, after strange events begin to occur, Charlie has no choice but to turn to the one and only person who can possibly help washed up TV vampire killer Peter Vincent. The film's budget is between seven to $9.25 million, and the box office intake was $24.9 million. Uh, since its release, it has, uh, it has received positive reviews from critics back then and has become a cult classic. Fright Night was uh, also followed by a sequel um, called Fright Night Part 2 in 1988 and a remake that we will talk about later on from 2011, um, which in turn also has a sequel that I don't think anyone knows about, but Fright Night 2, The New Blood from 2013. Um, but as of October 2020, uh, Tom Holland had confirmed via tweet that he was writing a direct sequel to the original film titled Fright Night Resurrection that would bring back the original characters from the original film, but would ignore the original 1988 sequel. Um, since then, he's been pretty quiet on that. Actually, I think he's been selling a book that's basically his own sequel to the first movie. So who knows if we'll get another movie or not. It seems like every couple of years they put out a Fright Night movie, but we'll see. We'll see. I think it's probably a dead franchise right now. Okay. Fright Night, 1985, the original. Um, before I get into my story of how I first saw this, uh, is this your first time watching the movie, boys? Yeah. No. My first time watching this Fright Night. I watched the newer Fright Night, but uh, the original, this one was my first it was the opposite. I've seen the original Fright Night a few times, and then the first time I ever watched the new one was tonight, actually. Oh, wow. That is that is amazing. Okay. Can't wait to talk about that. Um, as for me, so, like I said, I had this whole horror movie journey that I should probably write a book about one day, but basically just, you know, summarizing it as much as I can. I came across Fright Night probably around 2013 i remember when the the remake came out in 2011 i remember that because i was heavy into movie news and that kind of dominated for a couple of months um i do remember watching it via Redbox when it was available but didn't understand anything about it i didn't watch this original movie till like summer there's that summer after freshman year going into sophomore year where i just consumed a lot of 80s movies i was just obsessed with the 80s and so Fright Night just happened to fall into that category. Definitely like right after I saw The Breakfast Club for the first time. Um, definitely saw The Lost Boys before this. I think around the time I probably would have saw Gremlins and Silent Night, Deadly Night. But I just, I watched the movie and absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Actually, Fright Night is uh, my annual like Halloween movie. Like every year Halloween comes around, the month of October, I make time to try and watch Fright Night because it just belongs there to me. Like it's it's one of my like traditional Halloween movies. Like I never for like the past couple of years, I've don't I've never gone out of October without watching Fright Night. And it's just it's just a very special movie to me. I think it's a movie that says a lot, and I will try to explain it here. But like we do on this podcast, overall thoughts. We're just gonna give our kind of our base no level overall thoughts on the movie out there right now. So Roderick, do you want to kick us off? What is your overall thoughts on the original 1985 Fright Night? For sure. My overall thoughts on the original Fright Night from 85. I think it's a classic. It holds up 
and it's actually really good for it to be an 80s movie now i do like 80s movies but you know they could be very cheesy but yes. this one <laughs> no it was just really good like the acting the story the pace a lot of the special effects still look really good and i wish they would kind of bring that back into today's hollywood movie making process but overall just a really nice film all right and uh zai so what's your overall thoughts on fright night i thought it was a great film again this is my first time watching it uh, but i thought it was really great as well as the actors they really balanced each other out and like you were saying you definitely want to emphasize on the special effects i don't know this is like a i don't want to say timeless but the way they set it up and the way it was filmed there's definitely a movie you can definitely continue to watch again and again so i yeah i can guess it's it's timeless but yeah definitely a great movie um not the want to like over uh <laughs> or talk about it or overshoot it's not an amazing movie like i wouldn't recommend it to anybody right but i think that as far as like a vampire movie um horror movie this is good there's some laughable parts for sure that were pretty funny but other than that i think it's a great vampire movie all right all right i will we'll see how this conversation goes then uh, yeah, overall thoughts, like I said, I kind of spilled my beans earlier, but I love this movie. I, I watch this movie all the time. I can literally quote this movie. Uh, it's just such a fun movie. It's just, I love the concept of it all. It's This movie is basically, you know, just for like the horror, horror movie or just the movie cinephiles out there. But this movie is basically Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window with vampires like if you've ever seen (laughs) if you've seen rear window is essentially or for the modern audience out there if you've seen disturbia with shia labeouf take out the serial killer insert a vampire it's basically the same movie (laughs) you know what i was just thinking about as you were saying that yeah it reminds me of those books that they would be in the um, library in middle school the bailey school kids where it's like what is it? Crossing guards aren't werewolves or teachers aren't witches or something. It is pretty much the whole kids trying to like yeah. uncover a nefarious plot. That's what this movie reminds me of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would throw this in the genre of kids on bikes. I mean, they don't really ride bikes in this movie. I don't think they do, but yeah, this is kids on bikes. Like, you know, this belongs with it and stranger things. <laughs> yeah. ET, all the eighties movies. Yeah. All right. So, um, I'm going to try and keep it to just three main points here, but I do need to talk about what you guys thought about these characters here. First character, our main character here is Charlie Brewster. Um, He's supposed to represent your average, you know, 80s teen. He's got himself a girlfriend, so he's really trying to, like, you know, become a man. That'll lead into my next point, but uh, we have Charlie, we have Amy, we have (laughs) Evil Ed, we have Charlie's mom. And then um, to round out all the other characters as our main antagonist, we have <laughs> Jerry Dandridge, which Vampire Jerry, just the, a vampire named Jerry is just a funny thing to think about. Out of all the names, you know, we grew up with like Dracula and I mean, I guess even Edward is still kind of scary ish um, if you want to go Twilight. But this guy is named Jerry and he wears turtlenecks. <laughs> 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 Um, then we His also fashion have, is amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. The, this guy dresses just to go to bed. Um, and then we have Billy, who is, I, I'm guessing, his, like, Renfield equivalent. But how do we feel about the characters in this movie? Roger, you want to start us off? Uh, sure. And it's also, is it uh, too early to do some comparisons? Yeah. Go, you can go ahead and compare. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I definitely like the characters in the original a lot more. I feel like, I don't know, they're just more developed and thought out and they seem realistic. And just because they are the original, it's kind of hard to do a sequel and not compare the two. You know what I mean? But the main character guy, Charlie, I think he's really cool. And I think he's, his last name is his actual act name. It's, what is it? Sarandon? Oh, oh, um, so Chris Sarandon plays Jerry. Jerry. Um, Charlie's played by William Ragsdale. Got you. Okay. Because I had a question about that. I was wondering if that was like a Sousa Sarandon. I think they are Kind of like connection. I think they are siblings. Let me Google that real quick. But I want to say they are. Yeah. Um, I gotcha. know, I don't, you know, I know Chris Sarandon much more from uh, the first Child's Play movie because he played the uh, detective Mike Norris. But he's oh, yeah. a really cool character too, and just like him as a vampire, I like that he's super duper dark and he's also witty at the same time, and it worked. And <laughs> just petty, and it doesn't seem like with the different uh, vampire betrayal in the the newer film, it it just kind of seems like round the way guy who's trying to be evil i don't know it just fits the original uh, vampire guy better and then the other characters i like them i feel like they're super fleshed out overall i think the original characters they work really well and i felt really really bad for the uh guy friend in the original just because he had a lot more anguish you know with his transformation and his ultimate demise at the end evil ed um correction correction uh chris sarandon and susan sarandon were married but they divorced they got married oh. in 1967 and divorced in 1979. Wow. The more you know. Yeah. So I guess they just kept each other's last names. Was I guess it would make sense. All right. Zai, what's your overall thoughts on the characters here? Which character stuck out to you the most? Which character you like? Which character you don't like? You know? Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with Roderick on, on a few things as far as the original. The original actors uh, were a lot better for sure. I know they just gelled a lot, a lot better than what I expected. And then the new movie, it, which was interesting because the new movie had uh, star-studded actors. I mean, they had Dave Franco, um, <laughs> yes, Colin Farrell, Tony. What I, I don't even know. Tony. Some some more people, but they just yeah. They had. So, I'm not going to say better actors. I mean, but uh, popular. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think the the characters were great. I think that if I had to say one character that really stood out, Evil Ed wouldn't have to stand out. I think he played his part well. And uh, yeah. All right, man. Yeah, I will say this. I've always, watching this movie, I definitely related to Evil Ed. But as I've gotten older, I do relate to Charlie. Well, I won't say that. I'll say Evil Ed is in my heart because that's just who I am as a person. Just this horror nerd, wild of obnoxious. <laughs> People know me. You guys know me. As I've been this guy. But I will say Charlie, I will he Charlie is the most relatable out of all the of the original cast just because of what he's going through. And I think as I've gotten older I've understood it more I mean, on the base level, this is a guy who just wants to have sex and he just gets distracted by this, you know, this evil presence. But um, I will say out of everyone in both movies, honestly, I think Amy is the weakest in, in especially in the first one, though. She just kind of gets she kind of gets like passed around. Um, well, I will say this: I think Amy is the weakest in, in both stories. I, I, I think the actress is less lesser than in the newer movie but i i like the actress in the original movie but she really doesn't 
leave an impact on me until the very end in both cases, if I should say so. But I'm, I'm guessing you liked Amy a lot, Roderick. I did. You think the original Amy actress leaves less of an impression than the mom in both the original and the sequel? Well, the mom's the mom. She's an 80s movie mom. Like She's not really there uh-huh. to be... <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, Amy's just kind of like, they, I mean, she's active in the plot in this original movie, which I do appreciate, but she just kind of comes off as just like, you know, the third, you know, trio member. Like, um, uh, what's a good comparison? Like, again, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the original Teen Wolf, but she kind of comes off as like another boof. Like, she kind of feels like that, that, you know, I'm the best friend who will eventually become the love interest. Here, she's the love interest that'll eventually become the villain. And, so you know she just she's fine she works but i do think out of everyone she's the weakest like you know. okay yeah was she a villain or was she a damsel in distress that is a good question ah mm. well that picture they're kind of like um mario saving peach again <laughs> yeah you know yeah i guess you're right she would be a, a damsel well yeah, but she did turn evil, so I do agree with you there. So it's a like damsel turned damned. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's really <laughs> clever. But um, yeah, Evil Ed, Evil Ed is definitely the star of this movie because him and Jerry, man, oh man, these guys know how to eat up camp. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> the camp <laughs> factor is through the roof when it comes. Like Ed, just he's always at an eleven. He just never shuts up. <laughs> It's true. And he's always just like making fun of like Charlie, even though I'm pretty sure like Ed's the nerd. <laughs> he's always just making fun of him, but I, I love it. Charlie's just like, shut up. I'm just, I'm trying to tell you something. But yeah, Stephen Jeffries is a really, really good in this movie. Um, I just want to add this in there because I found this out. But um, he's been, he's, he's, he's done other movies. I think he's trying to do like horror stuff now. Um, but after this movie, he would, he did one other horror movie. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Um, it's called, uh, nine, six, seven or nine, seven, six evil, um, where I hear he just plays the same character. Um, but after that, he went on to do gay porn. Wait a minute. Oh, oh wow. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you know, that, that's where he went on to do, but I think now he's, or as of recently, he's dull. He's Dovin, Dovin, Divin, Dovin. He's gone back into doing regular, <laughs> lower rate horror movies uh, for the past couple of years. But uh, yeah, that's Stephen Jeffries. Um, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, make your money. <laughs> he did a good job. I think he deserves what he deserves. Oh, he's got a long list of uh, movies. <laughs> oh my! Uh, are they? He's all... an actor. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, last person I want to talk about, and that'll lead into my next point, and then we'll we'll move on. But um, Jerry, Jerry the Vampire, man, it's, it's Chris Sarandon. I was gonna say Susan Sarandon. <laughs> Chris Sarandon um is really good in this movie. This is an Oscar-winning actor, and you can see it all in this movie. Again, he knows how to use camp, but I love, I do love the makeup in this movie a lot, especially when it comes to Jerry. Because he's always using, whenever he transforms, just to fuck with Charlie. <laughs> and no one else notices. But, like, I do love, again, going back to that rear window moment, my favorite scene in this movie is actually when the first time Charlie sees um, Jerry through the window, like in rear window and Scream 4. But 
he does have that actual like rear window moment where he sees the girl um the prostitute kind of uh you know being seduced by jerry and you know we get a titty shot which is nice um and then we see jerry like he's just he transforms his hand and his his hands just grow like 12 inches and he just he does just to close the curtains or just to close the blinds but he's gonna transform and then bite her on her neck and kill her right in front of charlie while looking at charlie and i'm like that is just the most pimp thing you could ever do to scare a little boy (laughs) But I, I love I love that scene and I just love Jerry throughout the movie and how he just like slowly gets more irritated with Charlie's like, please, you called the cops. You know, I tried to let you go. I, I threatened you and your mom. You're still going after me, dude. What do you want from me? <laughs> and now I'm going to take your girl. And I, I feel like that says a lot. Another character we hadn't brought up yet, but Peter Vincent, but I'll save him for the end. My main thing about this movie, though, and I want to see if you guys got onto this theme. So this movie, I've many times i've rewatched this movie i see this movie as kind of like a cautionary tale about like masculinity and it's so weird saying that with like vampires because vampires are often seen as more sexual kind of more like feminine seducive you know beings like you know they have their masculine traits but it's mostly like they're more softer they're more like you know romantic but here we have this guy who was not necess- who's using that same kind of trick, but again, it's more just to threaten this kid, to threaten this teenager. And so, what it would reads to me is like, you know, this is what happens when you, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been in this situation, but I have. You know, you get a girlfriend, or you you get you finally you know land someone you've had a crush on for a while, and immediately like someone who is who you perceive as much more like you know attractive to you or, or or than you or someone that could easily like or could possibly take your the person who's you've had your eye on and finally got them to focus on you to them being away able to like take it take the attention away from you to them if that makes sense like uh i want to make it weird but i'm trying to like explain it right but like you know it's just that you know that natural like you know masculine thing where you like you know you know, guys tend to look at other people's other guys, girls or vice versa. And, you know, you, you end up getting that kind of protective phase. And I feel like Jerry represents in this movie who Charlie is trying to be at the start of it. But when Charlie is confronted with it, he realizes, oh, this is a masculine energy that I'm not mature enough for just yet and jerry is using that against him it's kind of like going into the fear of what freddy krueger represents as far as uh as far as like uh not freddy krueger as far as like michael myers represents as far as virginity goes for laurie um it's kind of similar here but on a male's point of view um number one does that make sense and two did you guys get that reading at all uh roderick it does make sense. And right at the tail end of the part that you were talking about with your discussion just now, I I think just to kind of go, go into a visual aspect of it, I think it's a really good reflection of masculinity. Like how you were saying, for example, Charlie's character at the beginning in your interpretation is who Jerry is, but then he evolves to become someone who he doesn't want to, you know, embody these toxic masculinity traits. And I think visually it'd be really cool to almost paint that with the vampire metaphor by going like imagine they're standing in front of each other you know charlie and jerry but there's a mirror and you can't really 
Charlie's looking at Jerry as his reflection, but obviously he's a vampire, hence the metaphor, so you can't really see him. So all that Charlie is looking at is himself, aka this is what you could be should you give into you know the terrible cycle that men kind of perpetuates because they're so, uh, socialized to be that way. Yeah, just like to add on to that part. So definitely, I totally see that. Yeah, because it's like it's even in the first scene of the movie where Charlie is aggressively like trying to get with Amy and she's like no 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 and then she gets to the point where like he backs like you know guys do this but it's kind of like a form of gaslighting but he backs off and then she's like okay well I'm now that he's upset I'm I have to do this and that's where you know kind of some something Jerry kind of pulls you know with not only Charlie but kind of with his mom later on in those when he's invited into the house um but Zai did you get that reading at all yeah I got the reading but I kind of pictured of it uh just took it for it was that time period. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the whole dynamic. Uh, it was definitely an 80s movie. Uh, just the whole dynamic, how everything went. And um, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I'm not too sure on the ending because the beginning was kind of interesting to me. When, they, like, when, they're, when they're in the bedroom, right? When he was with yeah. Amy. Um, I found that to be interesting because it was kind of... Definitely masculine at first, and then he got totally distracted where she's she's done with the whole situation and stuff like that. So you know how you were saying, again, like how in the beginning, Charlie's like trying to advance with uh, Amy, but it's not really going anywhere. And it could be put in a metaphor that Jerry is who he could become in just the grand scheme of how guys were back in the day, you know? Yeah. I think that's a really cool example. At the very beginning, he's using like, you know, childish high school, like you were saying, Walter, gaslighting to try to get in with Amy as the first step of usually how the, the quote unquote change goes, how we're socialized. And then Jerry could be a really cool metaphor for what happens when you finally do get to that stage of just full douchebaggery, being able to convince people without having to gaslight, just giving them the look or the charm like that vampires have. Because he's developed and matured into that quote unquote man. Yes, yes. And Jerry ends up doing it later in this random scene at a nightclub because it's the 80s. So we have to have a nightclub scene. Um, and that nightclub scene is so cool. It makes me laugh though because, like, Amy is just magically growing hair throughout the entire movie. I don't know. They didn't have a continuing uh, director. Man, I don't know where they're hiding the extensions for this woman, but like by the end of the movie, she's got a whole head of like Thor hair going on. And I'm like, now at the beginning of the movie, she has short hair. Where did all this come from? This vampire, like, does that does just automatically grow your hair out? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> no rules. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like how they handle the rules here. Like they kind of just amalgamate a lot of rules from past. Like and they take some stuff from Dracula and some stuff from elsewhere. But uh, you know, pretty common rules. They kind of just try to simplify but you know you can't let a vampire in without inviting them you know holy water affects them sunlight definitely affects them jerry here turns into a giant puppet bat which is really freaky honestly <laughs> the way he was just a naked bat um what else they got going on uh uh uh, uh, uh he can fly man there was something else i was thinking about oh you have to have total a lot this detail i liked a lot in both movies but the fact that like you know you can have a cross but it doesn't mean it'll work. You have to have a, a, you have to have total faith in it in order for it to affect a vampire, and uh, that's 
I did like that in both movies. They have really cool scenes where they display that. Oh, let's see. I did like that. Yeah. You didn't like that? that was definitely, no, I said I did like that. Okay. That was definitely different. I liked that for sure. Yeah. Like, we should use that more often. <laughs> Just to kind of, like, you know, add some stakes. Um, but I like it a lot. But, uh, oh, oh, I didn't even try to do that. <laughs> okay, so um, we haven't talked about him yet. And I think this is the last character we'll talk about. And then we'll kind of just give our overall recommends for this first movie here. But Peter Vincent, how'd you guys feel about Peter Vincent as this kind of like, you know, Vincent Price, you know, Elvira-esque TV dude. <laughs> Uh, Zai, you can go first on this one. How do you feel about Peter Vincent in this original movie? I liked Peter Vincent in in the original movie. Um, in the second movie, Ooh. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was all right. I don't know the original Peter Vincent is pretty eccentric, um, and and I like the character. I don't know. I could relate to it somehow. Um, I'm not saying it's far off from the newer movie, but with the <laughs> Original Peter Vincent's just grabbed my attention more. He was pretty eccentric. He was a all around guy. I don't know. I thought it was pretty well. What do you guys think? Uh, with Zai, I definitely agree with a lot of the opinions on just the original Peter uh, Vincent Peter character. I really like how people bring in just in movies the person who has like all the knowledge and they're able to help out, but actually really contribute to the story and they stick around the entire time which is what I was happy to see with the original um, Vincent character. But even in the newer version, I could appreciate the interpretation of the guy just because he was so different. He wasn't this wise guy who was kind of like, all right, I'm going to, you know, get back into it. I don't know. Questioning his faith and all the things he's done with his career. He's like this kind of washed up Chris Angel almost type person. (laughs) But, you know, he does have a heart at the end, despite a lot of his, uh, his nervousness to enter the ring with, you know, this monster. And I think both versions work. I still do think the original kind of uh, beats it out though. All right. All right, man. I don't see Peter is where I have a problem aside from Amy. Peter is a a second problem. I kind of have with both movies. I like what they're trying to do, especially in the first one, this original movie here, Peter is like, you know, Charlie is an outright like horror fan. Him and Ed are obviously horror movie geeks. I I appreciate that. You know, horror for the eighties. They're what they were kind of like forced to rewatch before the slasher boom or the big slasher movie boom would be. You know, monster movies, and they would just be watching that, and maybe some like TV stuff from the seventies starring Jamie Lee Curtis. But uh, it's I do I, I I find it okay. Like he's fine. As far as him functioning throughout the movie, I do like the rules scene of him being like, all right, Amy paid him off, so he's going to do these faux vampire tests. And, like, all of them kind of sort of sort of fail, and then he gets to the last test where he didn't even mean to do it, but he sees that Jerry is not in the reflection, drops his little mirror, and it's like, well, I need to get out. <laughs> and he leaves them. <laughs> I do like that part. I do like the fact that Peter is this big, like, scaredy cat. And I think he's he's fine up until that point. Like, you know, or he's fine around that point. I do like the fight between him and Evil Ed. And Ed is just really trying to kill this guy. I guess because Jerry told him to. Ed is just kind of there to be a secondary menace. Um, I do like that entire scene, mainly because of Ed's transformation. 
But the emotion. Yes. But other than that, like Peter's just kind of like there. I mean, he functions at the end too to like stop Jerry. But like, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I I don't know. I just I don't really take to Peter. Like he just kind of sucks, in my opinion. In this first original what? movie, in the original <sighs> movie, I feel like he just kind of sucks. Like he's just a scaredy cat, which is a like, nice twist on it because you know he's. He never expected to come across a real vampire. But, like, I don't know. I feel like there could have been a little bit more done with him. But... Almost like the end of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. like it, And I don't even like The Wizard in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's for the same kind of reason. <laughs> like, oh, this guy see? just sucks. <laughs> like, this guy just kind of, like, lies to everyone. Um, so, I don't know. I guess he, he doesn't really win me over, but I appreciate him, if I, I should say that. So that's Fright Night 1985. You know, Evil Ed has a really great transformation scene. Honestly, probably top three of, like, transformations of all time, up there with Thriller and American Werewolf in London. And he does, he acts the hell out of that scene as well. Just He really it, does. But I don't like the fact that, and this is also a reference to, there's a lot of Dracula references in this movie. You know, the beginning with them on the TV, the two characters that are doing the voice, the voiceovers are called Jonathan and Nina, which is, you know, the two main characters from Dracula. Um, and then, you know, Evil Ed turns into a wolf, which is something Dracula actually can do. Um, I've never been a fan of like vampires turning into anything but bats. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. And I feel, again, I feel like it steals a lot from werewolves and other supernatural creatures. But that I do like I Ed's transformation. I agree. I never understood why vampires turned into werewolves. Yeah, I, I, if, if, if I remember correctly, in Dracula, it's something specifically that he can do, and I think he also something that Renfield can do. But other than that, I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense for other vampires to do <laughs> But, yeah. I, again, I do like the fact that he, like, stakes him and then throws him off of the <laughs> throws him off of the balcony. And it takes him forever to transform. Like, he's just screaming for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, screaming and dying for ten minutes. And then at the very end of the movie, you hear him laugh. I'm like, oh, he's alive. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so. Before we go into the next movie here, do you recommend Fright Night 1985? Zai? Do I recommend? Yes, I do recommend Fright Night uh, 1985. I was about to say 1885. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a whole yeah. different movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just dust. <laughs> <laughs> Just vampires circling around. <laughs> All right, uh, Roderick, do you recommend Fright Night 1985? Absolutely. All right. As for me, it's obvious. Like I said, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Of course I recommend it. Like you were saying, Zai, it's not the best movie ever. Like, you know, this is, like, definite, like, B-tier movie for me. Like, you know, it's this, you know, it's right there with, like, uh, it's right there with, like, movies we'll, we'll do later on this year, but, like, Chopping Mall. No killer clowns from outer space. It's in that territory. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably this is probably up there with the better half of the Friday the 13th movies. Um, maybe some of the like, you know, this is, def- this is definitely like I would watch this movie back to back with like Nightmare 4, Roderick, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, they're they're on the same plane. I this feel is that. on the same level. Yeah, this is definitely not the best movie of the of, you know, ever, but it's one of my favorites. I love it. Um, I would love to see more Friday Night. I don't want another remake, 
Um, but it seemed like, you know, maybe a sequel could be, honestly, I think you could turn it into a TV show, but you probably, have, you probably wouldn't tell this story again. You probably have to do something different. Um, and just call it Fright Night, but we'll see. All right. I'm so. convince everyone that the neighbor is a vampire on Zoom. <laughs> yes, true, true. All right, so we're going to take a short little break here, and then we're going to talk about the remake, Fright Night, from 2011. Hey, Mom. Hey, just checking in. What you up to? Uh... Adam Johnson. Adam. You know, Adam's missing, right? Right, kids aren't coming to school. It happens all the time. I don't know if you're paying attention to Roll Call, but he's not the only one that's gone. You're nuts. This is my son, Charlie, and his girlfriend. Hi. So Jerry is our new neighbor. Hey. Hey. Now listen to me. We graphed up all the disappearances. That's you right there in the center next to his house. I really hate to be the one to tell you this, but that guy, your neighbor? Jerry. Yeah, he's a vampire. <laughs> that is a terrible vampire name. Jerry? watching you your mom where there's a kind of uh, neglect gives off a scent and your girl she's ripe it's on you to look out for them because there are a lot of bad people out there charlie what's that i'm gonna end him or he's gonna end me it's gonna be. Charlie's gonna find me. I'm counting on it. You smell that? It's your fear. Alright, so we're back. Let's talk about Fright Night 2011. This movie came out August 19th, 2011, directed by Craig Gillespie. Screenplay by Marty Noxon or Marty Nixon, screenwriter from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the TV Ooh. show. A uh, story by Tom Holland, the film stars Anton Yelchin, R.I.P., uh, Christopher Mintz Plotz, uh, David Tennant's Imogen Poots, <laughs> uh, Tony Collette, and featuring Chris Sarandon. Uh, the film's plot is the same as the first one, but here it is. Charlie is a high school senior who's in his, who's in the in crowd and is dating Amy, the most sought after girl on campus. But trouble enters his world in the form of Jerry Dandridge, a charismatic new neighbor. After witnessing an unusual activity next door. Charlie concludes that Jerry is a vampire. Of course, no one believes him. After seeking advice from illusionist Peter Vincent, Charlie sets out to destroy Jerry himself. 
the uh, the budget for the film was thirty million dollars, and the box office was forty one million. Um, this movie got really good reviews when it came out, and then it felt like it just disappeared. <laughs> like no one talks about this movie enough. But man, oh man, back to overall thoughts. How we feel about the this remake from twenty eleven? Zai, you want to kick us off? What's your overall thoughts on the remake? I'll start off by saying that it was okay. <laughs> Remake did not live up to the hype. When I first saw this, uh, I was excited because, again, I'm, I enjoy vampire movies. Um, I didn't see the original Fright Night until recently. The cast looked really good as well, just who they were casting in the movie. As far as my overall thoughts on it, it's, it was a good movie, but it definitely lacked a few things. And I wouldn't Never mind. I'm not continue. I'm gonna spoil things <laughs> if I continue talking. There, I mean, there was a spoiler warning at the beginning of the show, so you're good. Yeah, I I don't know. I had high hopes for it from what I was expecting. I think I don't know. Maybe it's just the trailers for me, but I expected something different from what I uh, from what I saw. Just the story was lacking in a few different aspects, um, and I just felt like it wasn't. Everyone wasn't clicking well. If that makes sense. Hmm. far as characters all right roderick overall thoughts um i agree i think it was definitely a choice for it to be a remake and i do remember like when the trailer came out and i'll be watching it in like the uh, 2000s when it you know came out i feel like it would have hit me personally better if i would have seen it when it did debut but i missed the train and when it was my first time watching it just a few hours ago i was like uh this is okay like how i was saying i don't know if all the characters really gelled for it to be such a star-studded cast and yeah i don't know it just missed the mark somehow all right i love how both of you said star-studded because we know these guys today but i mean may i remind you 2011 these people are very new like no one really knows who these guys i mean i don't think anyone really knows who dimage and poots is anymore but other than her these are pretty newer people like david tennant i think has he was before he was doctor who christopher men's plots would have been coming right off of super bad with this as well as dave franco who I was just, I keep forgetting he's in this movie, but I was like, hey, it's a young, tan Dave Franco. <laughs> I did not Tony Collette, though, being somebody else's spooky mom again. Yes, Tony Collette. <laughs> this time, it's not her fault. <laughs> it's definitely That's not her fault. <laughs> uh, it was just funny because as of this recording, uh, I mean, it's past 12 o'clock, but um, this past Friday, or not past Friday, but you know, the day before we started midnight, um, it would have been the what uh, the anniversary of Hereditary. I forgot how many years it's been, but I did see that all over oh, wow. today, which is a, a fun episode you can you should go listen to. Um, but yeah, Tony Collette is would have been doing whatever she was doing around this time. Colin Farrell redeeming himself from Daredevil. Still, <laughs> the one I want to focus on though is Anton Yelchin. R.I.P. This kid, man. I miss this actor a lot. I don't remember. This is the guy. Uh, this kid kind of had a died by a, a very tragic accident um, back in 2015, 2016, I should say. But he was definitely an up and comer. Um, he had would would have been mostly known for the Star Trek remakes or the Star Trek series rebooted series, that trilogy where he played Chekhov. Um, but he did this. He did Charlie Bartlett. Uh, I we talked about a movie called uh, Alpha Dog a while ago. Me, Sheldon, and Hector. 
it's a true crime movie based on a very bad horrific murder and he played the main murder victim in that movie um he this kid and i think this movie is just the he he's great in this movie i should say it right off the bat i love his version of charlie but i i do agree with you guys this movie i don't think this movie's missing things from the original movie but i think that because this movie subverts a lot of things that happen in the original movie it changes the dynamics the first thing i wrote in my notes is when we got past the openings that there are clear dynamic changes in this movie uh charlie is less of a common man and more of a like gripping on to something <laughs> that he really desperately wants <laughs> um rather than him you know being more of a distracted person they still try to keep that in here but he's less distracted and more motivated i would say as far as his character goes but how would you guys you know clock charlie the original charlie was a bit more awkward than this one this one seems a lot cooler of course it's modern as far as the character yeah it's just for me the biggest thing was that it didn't seem like they gelled together so it felt as things sped up like they didn't have that connection yes yeah. that that was hard to connect with and the um, we can get into uh colin farrell uh, in a little bit but i'd like to hear your thoughts on charlie in the new movie I mean, yeah, he just felt like, you know, a normal guy, a normal suburban guy. Like, he was really chill. He had his girlfriend that he cared about. He was kind of fitting with the popular kids. There wasn't anything for me that just made him stand out that much more in this one compared to the first one. All right, all right. And I do want to piggyback off of what Zai was saying. I do agree with you. This movie does feel very sped up as far as, like, telling that original story. We did spend a lot more time with Charlie and Amy and Ed. Here, it, we're, we get one scene with each, and then the story starts. <laughs> it, it, it just, yeah, like, as soon as he gets home from school, Jerry's already there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So we just cut yeah. out a half an hour of this movie. <laughs> and, I, I mean, it's fine. I will say I love the way this movie begins more than the first one. Although, I will... I, uh, what I liked about the first movie, though, like I said, I really do love that initial rear, rear window moment where he sees Jerry, you know, basically murdering a woman um, via vampire fangs uh, next door. Here, he just kind of sees Jerry talking to a girl, and that comes way later. Um, here, I do love the way this movie begins, though, with, like... You know, they kind of do a fake out. It's, you know, oh, it's a Peter Vincent commercial on the television, just like the the original movie. But, oh, no, it's a boy's family being murdered. <laughs> and it's, it's it, honestly, for me, it reminds me a lot of the the my one of my favorite episodes of Teen Wolf from season four, uh, where we get introduced to one of my favorite characters, uh, Liam. But in that episode, we, it begins the same way. You think something's happening and then, oh, it's actually an entire family being murdered um in that show it was a wendigo but here it's it's a it's adam they give uh charlie and ed a third friend from their nerd group adam he gets brutally murdered i do love the scene of him like loading the gun under the bed though and then like the dad's body is just being dragged <laughs> and it's like oh no he's not gonna make it uh, but other than that yeah dynamics have changed charlie and amy um don't really know how to label them this time like in the first movie they're pretty much like oh both of them have some hang-ups on sex here because they changed the motivation to charlie wanting to be amy's a popular girl now so charlie's trying to keep that status going 
um, it just kind of weighs a bit. And again, like I said, it, it speeds through. You can't really spend too much time on them. But I do like the mom a lot more in this movie. Tony Collette's really good. I like her a lot better. But Amy, still Amy as a character. It doesn't really leave an impression on me <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> um, How do you guys feel about Amy in this go around compared to the last one? Because you guys liked Amy in the last one, right? Yeah. We. We. Wait, wait. I'll let you go, Roger. But Amy was all right. <laughs> she was okay. Well, I did. I liked Amy in both films, more so in the first one. But even in this film, I thought what was really cool was for it to be an updated retelling of the original. Her motivation, the new Amy, her motivation was a little bit more subverted, like in the sense that she was the one trying to like initiate the the things that were supposed to happen in the relationship with Charlie, where Charlie's like, actually, we can't really do this right now because there's a vampire. And she's like, you know, come on, try to put the pressure on him different from, you know, the first film, which I thought was really interesting to see. Yeah, that is a good look. Um, so, Zai, <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> but... He said, who's we? That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, Amy was okay. I, I agree with you about Amy. She's kind of uh she was cool i mean she was there in the beginning and then you kind of see her in the end uh that's kind of how i felt but um i think i don't know i don't have anything against amy she just didn't shine is what i'm trying to say as far as uh the top cast i would expect her to be um gotcha. something special i did like the i did like the original amy more though um yeah that that nightclub scene with uh, Charlie and and Amy, I mean Jerry and Amy. Jeez, yeah. that was uh, that that was pretty good. It was way better than this uh, than the new movie. I will say. Yeah, I do agree with that. They kind of again, they kind of speed through a lot of things just to kind of, I guess, what save time or I don't know what they were really going about. But I do like, I still like the movie. Uh, I do love the setting of this movie, like making it Las Vegas, because why wouldn't vampires go to Las Vegas? And the motive, yeah. I'm yeah, glad like, you brought that up. It makes total sense, and now I'm afraid to go to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be, because one of the coolest characters, who unfortunately is not alive anymore, but who used to live there, Ginger, she's in Las Vegas. Hey. She's probably my favorite female character in the series ginger the next door stripper <laughs> <It's hilarious. laughs> oh man i wish there was a stripper that lived next door to me uh i do like that a lot though i, I like that she was i do like the fact that it's just not random killings like they still have some stuff on the television about how like there's bodies being found but like i do like the fact that jerry is specifically looking for people and uh, we gonna get that added motivation that he's just not murdering people like in the first movie, but he's actually a specific breed of vampire who was trying to raise an army. And what better way to do that than with literally Las Vegas? <laughs> like, you know, which is funny because I feel like a lot of zombie movies nowadays take Las Vegas as like, oh yeah, you know, if anything happens, Las Vegas is definitely the place you don't want to go because there's nothing but hordes there. And so it's a good idea. It's a good plan if you're thinking like, you know, I need to take over the the world with a in, with a quickness. Las Vegas is one of the people, one of the places you want to go. Uh but yeah. Uh, this movie though, I will say 
another thing I do kind of have against this movie is that it's just so dark. It's hard to see in this movie. <laughs> Man, I was like, do I need to wear 3D glasses? I, I turned the brightness up on my phone. It's very hard to see in this movie. I have a lot of dark scenes. How do you guys like, you know, Charlie's more of a backstory here before we go into evil ed just like him ed and adam were like the nerds and they charlie kind of like flipped this you know mature switch did we like that aspect of the the backstory there uh it was fine i just thought it was a weird like thing i'm again it's 2011 so this would have been like definitely like a a staple for teen life i remember this like i was in we were in middle school but i remember this era very well and so this this would have been like topical but now that we're adults and time has passed it feels very dated it's like yeah little did they know that you know just a year later avengers would come out and completely change the whole geek thing i think that's what it is yeah yeah like Uh this the stuff they were doing would be seen as cool now or at least like unironic or like ironically cool <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> yeah oh, it's boy. just like who cares like do your thing yeah they should have <laughs> just waited for vine and they would have been fine <laughs> <laughs> oh boy you're saying this movie didn't age well no which is funny because i feel like a lot of movies in 2011 age very well like you know we talk about i i can talk about scream 4 all day and night but scream 4 age tremendously as far as like what the movie's about and the topics even the fact that like using Scream 4 uses Saw as like an example for its template but like a lot of stuff really works and so when you look at this movie here it's like oh they just kind of missed the ball a bit which is just really weird uh, kind of going back um I can't remember what else came out in 2011 other than like superhero movies, but I know like Green Lantern came out in 2011, Captain America, the first Avenger came out in 2011, Thor came out in 2011. Uh, I can't remember anything else, but yeah, that's kind of like your again the 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 shift would have just happened, and they kind of just like missed it, calling it kind of nerdy, which it will become more of a cool thing. So the movie is kind of a passe type of topic going on here. Um. Let's see. Where else should we go? Should we talk about Evil Ed? Do how do we like this version of Evil Ed? We got McLovin from from Super Bad, which is a perfect casting if you want someone to kind of bring the same energy or a modern energy as Stephen Jeffries. But does he pull it off, Roderick? How do you think? What do you think? I did not like Evil Ed. Ooh. Like I don't know if there were any redeeming factors at all, just because he was so annoying. Like. He was trying to blackmail his friend. A lot of his lines felt like cheesy one-liners. Like, you know, you hear from supervillains in those old cartoon shows. I didn't like him. All right. What about you, Zai? How did you feel about this version of Evil Ed? This version of Evil Ed, he, yeah, he wasn't kick-ass. Um, so the actor, I, I don't know. I, I do hate this. I will say I have a perception that of actors based on their previous movies, right? I judge them off the previous movies and he's yeah. always been a comedy action type of person, but always comedy. So I never really took him serious. Um, and I, this wasn't necessarily a serious role, but if you're going to be scary, you do want to be serious. Yep. Um, so I, I didn't really take him serious that well. I, it And like, let me see, even for his name, it's just Ed. It's not evil Ed. Yeah, they just call him Ed. So that tells you, yeah, that tells you a lot of like 
compared to the original Evil Ed, this was uh, a shortcoming. Yeah, I do agree. I th- and I think like it's there. Like you, I think you see it. Like it, there are some stuff that kind of made me cringe. Like you know, a, a famous line from the first movie is when Evil Ed tells Charlie at what the restaurant. You know, you're so cool, Brewster. Kind of making fun of him. That is that's a very famous line. And then here they kind of redo it when they're sneaking around Adam's house. And it's like, you're so cool, Brewster, making it kind of more cynical, which is just a a staple of 2011 and 2010, just cynicism all around. So that made me cringe. I'm like, oh, it it didn't have the same kind of Murph as original Evil Ed did. But here, I think, like I said, I think it's good casting if you're trying to get a modern version of Evil Ed. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fault the director on this one though. I just think the director didn't direct this actor because I think Christopher Mintz Ploss has the energy. Like if you've seen Kick Ass, he has the energy to pull off the same amount of like, you know, maybe not emotion, but the same amount of screaming that Stephen Jeffrey did. <laughs> so he can pull what? it off, but it it just it does fall short. And I do think the the script itself waste this version of ed especially like if we turn ed earlier on into a vampire making him a minion of jerry why does he not show back up to like 45 minutes into the movie Mm. (laughs) you you would think he would be show up a lot sooner and i i do like the reveal though of him being like oh it's a package for you wait you get a package this late uh yeah maybe well maybe no maybe not it's like well that's basically an invitation then he goes boom what's up bitches (laughs) (laughs) i did like that reveal but then he just immediately dies and i'm like well that that's a waste like you could have used a lot more of ed um and they kind of give him a good like foil i think dave franco you honestly if you wanted i i if it were me i would switch the roles i would probably put dave franco as ed and then have christopher ben's plots be this other guy but that's just me just kind of rethinking this movie. But overall, I would have actually had because you get this kind of like nice parallel between not not only Charlie and Jerry, but in this movie specifically, you have a parallel between Charlie, Jerry and Peter. I would do kind of do the same thing with Evil Ed, elevating his character more by having him, you know, you know him and, and his bully Dave Franco's character, I don't know his name in the movie, but Dave Franco's character gets turned into a vampire as well as a nice surprise. Have them both be this kind of like, you know, duo. Have Charlie, you know, start off the movie with his new friends. Now Ed has his new friends and they're attacking Charlie. Like that that just makes sense to me. Wow. And that could have taken it to just a different place. Yeah, that would have elevated just Ed's character a little bit more comparing and having him specifically go after Charlie for a reason rather than Jerry turned me. <laughs> um, that would have worked a lot better for me. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to go back to you guys, though. Anything you guys want to add on that whole thing with Evil Ed? And we can even go into uh peter vincent as well yeah you were saying one thing earlier about just um comparing evil ed the new one to the older one and some of the emotional aspect i think that's also what the character may have needed to be directed on towards the end because there's a scene you know like right when he gets stabbed and the newer one he's like oh man oh like you're still my friend and then he dies yeah i think if that had if that just had a little bit more of an emotional just um 
it would have made me care for the character more just because he just seemed not necessarily hurt but just bratty the whole time he needed a little bit more seriousness yeah although i do like the line again when they're sneaking into uh adam's house is like vampire like dracula dracula is a character he's not a he's not a specific vampire and then the twist of the movie is that oh wait this is this is a very specific vampire we have to take down. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, uh, Zai, anything you wanted to add or, or any thoughts on that? Um, not really. I I definitely agree with what you're saying. If uh, Dave Franco and Christopher were to come together, I think they would definitely make the movie better and enhance their characters. I was going to say I think that uh, Ed Ed was Ed was good. I think if you would have just pushed it, you know, it was a bit more, not goofy, but I don't know. It could have been like Evil Ed is what I was saying, but it yeah. just fell short is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they definitely kind of waste Ed in this movie. Yeah, and switching roles, I don't know if that would have helped, but I do think it would have helped if they, if Dave Franco would have been uh, going together, I think. Yeah, either add his character in, just kind of just make, they make that visual switch of like, oh, Charlie starts off with the new friends, and then when they're being attacked in the middle of the movie, you know, Jerry turns him anyway, just have him be like, have those two be his like minions. Um, I honestly would have made that car chase even more exciting because I do love the car chase. Okay, um, I guess we'll talk about Peter Vincent and then Jerry, and then that should wrap us about up. Um, but I will say, I get, we'll start with Jerry because I do love this version of Jerry. He's much more mean. He's much mean. Like Chris Sarandon was campy and like petty, but this one, this Colin Farrell was, he was smiling, he was cheeky, but he was very like. Not as patient with Charlie. Like, he was very mean this go around. But how'd you guys feel about uh, Jerry in this movie, or as I like to call him, Colin Farrell and a wife beater? <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely agree with you, Walter. Just the fact that this newer version of Jerry had a lot more grit. He was a little bit less camp. But because of that grit that was added to his character, I think he loses some of the suave that the original does have because, you know, he loses his patience. It's not as charming or as. I don't like cinematic almost if I could just give it a word it's real choppy it's like it, it switches very fast you know he's smiling one minute and then he's mean the next yeah it doesn't it doesn't give his character time to really unfold as much which is one thing I think was lacking a little bit in that character but otherwise I think it's still a really good depiction I think he's fun you know, he ha he serves his purpose of being kind of like the really cool guy next door, but also is dark at the same time. And like how you were saying, really sinister, especially during the conversational scene he has with um, Charlie where he's at the door and he's like intimidating him. <laughs> he's like, yes. you know, you might want to watch out for your girlfriend and your mom because uh, I really like them and people are mean out here. And by people, That's I mean me. <laughs> yes, That's crazy. Yes. I'm gonna bookmark that because that goes into my next point. But uh, Zai, how'd you feel about Jerry this go around? Um, definitely different. I have to agree with everything Roger said for sure. Um, you could definitely feel as if the original uh, Jerry was a smooth talker. Um, this uh, with Colin Farrell, he's uh, he's rough, straight to the point. Uh, not as charismatic, right? Um, but 
I did like him more, which was which is interesting. I don't. I'm not gonna say more. Yeah, I, I'm gonna lean towards him more for some reason. I thought he he played it uh, a little bit better, more believable vampire, scarier vampire from my point of view. One I wouldn't want to mess with, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just give him his beer and go about your day. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good scene too, though. Which is, so yeah. I was thinking like I do really like. We didn't bring it up, but I do like. I also like the scene in the original where Jerry is in the house and he just, where he like sneaks in and like just tortures Charlie for a hot minute, like leaning him out the window and like you know he gets stabbed with the pencil. Here they just make it a simple conversation. And I think it 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 works a lot better. You know, as far as like you know, ramping up the the tension, and then again they subvert it by having Charlie sneak into Jerry's house, and I just like you know, even though he's a vampire, I just I laugh at the fact that he he's a meal prepper. He keeps them in little boxes until he, <laughs> until he he's needs thorough. to feed again. Yeah, he's very so nothing means. Yeah, <laughs> he's very neat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do like this version of Jerry. I do think I do agree with you, Roderick. Though he just he is missing the suaveness. You know, put a turtleneck on him, maybe. But uh, maybe who knows? Maybe yeah. I also, but yeah, I, he rides motorcycles. I don't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of motorcycles, I love the car chase scene, and I love the fact that he just throws an entire motorbike at this car. <laughs> and Amy's like, "Oh my god, I'm going to die." <laughs> And then he, like, drives up with the supernatural car, you know, that black, like, you know, lowrider. And then, like, just parks in the center of the street. It's like, well, they they can't just drive off the sides, right? Right? <laughs> and I'm like, they hit him. And he's like, is he gone? Nope, he's underneath the car. And they do finally give him the vampire hands. Did you guys catch the cameo by Chris Sarandon, by the way? Yeah. On the uh, During the, or after the car chase? That was uh, Chris Sarandon, the original actor. If you pay, if you watch the uh, credits though, he's credited as JD in the credits, uh, which is a nice little callback because you know Jerry Dandridge, JD. Oh dang! Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. But he dies a horrible death. And I'm like, <laughs> we're gonna bring you back in this movie as like a cameo. Oh cool, I'm like Stan Lee. Yeah, but you die immediately. <laughs> he, very painful death. <laughs> Uh, but I do like here that we, uh, I do like, I love the staking in this movie. They make it a point that you have to do it in the heart, but like it still affects them because <laughs> like the mom like stakes Jerry in like the abdomen and he's just like, r- like tumbling around like a little like fish. <laughs> like he's just screaming like, ah, <laughs> like I liked it a lot. Um, and then they do it again at the very end. Okay. Uh, moving on to Peter Vincent. This version, like I said, I kind of like the original version. He kind of comes off as like kind of sucks. This version, a little better, not as not as better as I would want it to be, but like this one made a lot more sense to me. If that makes sense, wow, that's redundant. This one made a lot more sense to me as far as his character goes. He would be like, I love the fact the reveal that he had this very bad situation happen to him, which is a vampire killed his parents. And so from that, he made a career of just mimicking the occult <laughs> after studying it for so long. Like, you know, it's like me being like, this situation happened, so I became a doctor just to pretend to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but had, had, you guys, you guys kind of gave your, your uh, hints about it earlier, but what's your overall thoughts on this version of Peter Vincent, Roderick? Overall, 
I don't hate them. I think both versions have their own really great strengths in their own respect. What I really enjoy about this version is he has, you know, like how you were saying, more dynamicism in the sense that we get the backstory and he still helps Charlie at the end. And we get this fun interaction with him and his girlfriend, Ginger, yes. who is just a really cool comedy aspect that I enjoyed. <laughs> yes, go fuck yourself. Well, someone has to and then walks off. Eats the ice cream. Like, she's great. <laughs> then like i love how he feels really sad to see her like die when he looks at the camera and she's like on the ground he's like no oh man zai how'd you feel about this version of peter vincent Zai, you know no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) he he was okay again i I don't know i just like the original peter vincent this peter vincent was funny He, he was definitely funny for sure um didn't you say he was kind of like chris angel yeah, yeah. Like Angel. Roderick said that. Yeah. yeah, I could. I that was like the first thought when I first saw him. I was like, they're trying to make sure he's a uh, Chris Angel, but yeah, he he was good. I I liked him. Um, I would say I like the original one more, but that doesn't really matter because they don't really have strong roles necessarily yeah maybe and, that's what uh, that's probably what's keeping it from me like if he had like a stronger hold which i guess is my review of most of the characters in this and especially in this like remake here if the characters had a little more like hold on to the story that they're telling the characters had a little bit more to do uh more meaning to them it would probably work a lot more for me yeah i agree with you for sure i think that i enjoyed this peter for sure peter vincent but uh the previous one just really caught my eye more than this one that's pretty much it it's definitely the cape yeah yeah he's just more eccentric you know peter vincent was better uh more fake i will say yeah i will say uh this peter vincent reminded me a lot of uh hades from percy jackson (laughs) that's what the vibe Uh i got um also i do like the line he says because it's a nice little reference but he says i don't want to join your little scooby gang which is uh, a reference to Buffy the Vampire Slayer because that's where the the team went by for a while, as far as the fandom goes. I know I've watched like four or five episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I need to finish, but I just know a lot about it because a lot of Buffy fans feed into the Scream fandom, and so they just never shut up about it. Um, but yeah, I do like again. I talked about the the twist. How I I really like the twist. The fact that um he's a specific tribe of vampire, and he's he's the person that killed Peter's parents. Did you guys like that twist too? It was okay. I wish the delivery for it was a little bit better though. Like it it seemed like a passing line. Oh, okay, interesting. I thought it was pretty epic. Just <laughs> <laughs> my opinion. What about you, Zai? Did you get Did you get the twist? Did you like the twist? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad. <laughs> I didn't really care for the twist. <laughs> it's all right. It's like, and it's not, it's not even a dig. It's The twist is fine. It's just that how it was revealed in the second movie, it seemed like a throwaway line that happened in Jerry's character because he's like chasing, I believe he's chasing um, Peter Vince's character. And he's like, oh, by the way, you have your mother's eyes. And if you weren't paying attention in the earlier part of the film, you would almost miss that callback of like, oh, that's the vampire. Yeah. It is just not as in your face, you know? Yeah, I guess if they would have emphasized it a little more. All right. Um, I do like the end of this movie. Um, the end of the first movie, we didn't really touch on it too much, but it's very slimy, very 
very bloody, very gory, very explosionist. Explosionist? Explosiony. Totally, yeah. I liked I liked the original ending a lot. Um, especially oh man, I, I hate that we didn't touch the button, but I love love, love when Amy turns and she gets like the giant mouth in that yes. original movie. Mm. I the can't effect. believe I forgot to bring that up. But yeah, jumping back to the eighty five movie. I love the white dress, the hair, the giant like vampire mouth. Love, love it. It's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things about that movie. And they kind of sort of recreate it for the remake here. Um, it, again, it's very CGI, but I think it works well. They just need to brighten up the film a bit. <laughs> um, I just just need to brighten it up. But yeah. I, I think it works both. I, I love both ways they do it. Uh, the practical effects look better. And we get a little more time of Amy with her just jaw just completely just open. Here, <laughs> yeah, here it's very quick, but it's, you know it's what a half a minute. But I still liked it. I still love the fact that she turns and she turns on Charlie and just raises up to the heavens and opens up that giant mouth. And I'm like, ah, there it is. There's the fright night mouth. And yeah, Peter. Uh, I also like that they they also give it to uh, Jerry too. He earlier on he does the whole transformation and turns um last thing i will say though did you guys like the plan of how to get how to kill a jerry this time i don't know how i feel about it just you know they peter gives him this like specific dagger because of course he has it it's like this will kill this breed of vampire again i like the breed of vampire twist but just the fact that he just happens to have this dagger to help you know was kind of like all right that's a screenwriting tool yeah they got lazy in the writer's room and said we just need something and so the plan itself though is to set him on fire and then stake him so charlie literally sets himself on fire (laughs) and hugs jerry to death (laughs) did you guys like this this ending did you guys like this final battle yeah i I agree i definitely feel like it was a lazy ending um (laughs) I felt as if, I I don't know, maybe you guys think this, but the one thing I did think when they introduced the different types of vampires, they felt, I felt as if they wanted to make this um, like a series, you know, they wanted to make more different types of vampires, different Fright Nights and stuff, but um, I don't know if you felt that way. I wouldn't put it past them. I would have loved that though. Just, you know, Charlie, I mean, okay, so... Real quick, and then I'll go. It was to done well. Yeah. yeah. If I real quick, and I'll go to Roger. I have seen parts. It's very hard to find that original sequel from 1988, but I've seen parts of it. And the original sequel plot is literally just the first movie, except Jerry is a female, and she is the sister of Jerry. So it's Jerry with an I, and she. They just kind of they do the sequel thing where they flip it, so it's the same plot. But this time, Amy is trying to save Charlie, if that makes sense. Like, that's the no, plot. No, it, it does not make sense. Yeah, yeah. Why would he fall for a vampire? <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's the same. That's the sequel plot. And then would they... So this movie has a sequel to it. And it's basically a remake of that original sequel. In the 2013 Part 2, Fright Night Part 2... We are following Charlie, Amy, and Ed, but they're played by different actors, and they kind of disregard everything that happened in this movie, and so they take a, like, 
they're exchange students in Romania. If if a movie takes place in Romania, that's how you know they got it for cheap. Um, just ask Seed of Chucky. But they they're they're in <laughs> Romania slash Transylvania, and they're going to school there. Like they're doing a semester there, and their teacher is a female named Jerry with an I. And she, it, they go through the same type of thing. Like I don't think there's a Peter Vincent character in that 2013 movie. If there is, I don't remember. But it's just Jerry going after these teens because she wants Charlie. And yeah, Charlie falls for the teacher. And so Amy and Ed have to save Charlie from this vampire teacher who in that and I'm gonna spoil it because I don't recommend this movie but the the big twist of that movie is number one they're not commentating on horror movies like the original or this movie is um but they're commentating on horror movie comic books which is does not go well um as far as like writing goes and then the the big reveal in the movie halfway is that oh Jerry is not really Jerry She's actually Elizabeth Bathory, who has been living under a, under a code name in Romania. <laughs> and she needs the okay. blood of a virgin to stay alive. And Charlie just so happens to be a virgin. And so they do the, the thing where Amy, all she has to do is have sex with Charlie in order to save him from being a vampire. And that's kind of how that movie goes. Like I said, I don't know. That sounds like <laughs> the ultimate manipulation. Yeah. You have to have sex with me or the vampires will take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, uh, sure, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't recommend that movie at all, but it, it's just a weird way to go about it. And so I honestly forgot what our original point was. But I just, So to answer your question, yes. the ending. <laughs> the ending. Yes, yes, the ending. Did you like the ending? I thought it was inventive. The main character set himself on fire to distract the vampire and kill him. Boom. That's what I'll say. Is it powerful? Yeah. Does it just make me want to cry? No. But it's entertaining. Yeah. Just just him flying up and down, though, was funny. <laughs> flying up and down, hitting the ceiling, falling back down. So, yeah, and that's pretty much our movie. I, the fact that this movie just ends, honestly, it's not really... Both movies just kind of end, because there's not, like, a denouement, but, like, they just... Oh, everything's fine now, and the mom's looking for a new house. Um, <laughs> and a new car. Yes, and a new car. <laughs> oh, man, okay. Uh, I wrote in my notes, Charlie pops his cherry, the end. Um, all right. I think that's it. So, uh, do you recommend Fright Night 2011, Roderick? Nope. Ooh. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> that's rare. <laughs> yes. Bring in the discourse. <laughs> Zai, do you, do you recommend Fright Night 2011? Well... No, I would not. But I did want to say something about the ending of the original movie. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't want to take it too off topic, my bad. Um, I, I did like how it started and ended. Um, just how it kind of started in the bedroom, and then it ended in the same bedroom. He still looked over, uh, and he saw the red eyes. He was like, I'm going to deal with this a different day, and continued. Yeah. So that was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was, no. He was he learned yeah. his lesson. He was like, I'm going <laughs> to... That's the tomorrow activity. Right? <laughs> You're right. That is exactly how he looks. 
He's like, nah. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, yeah. What about you? Do you recommend this movie? Man. This movie is not perfect. Looks <laughs> like the first one. It's not perfect. I do recommend it just because I think number one, I think it's just a really good remake of a movie. Like this is exactly what you would want from a remake. Something that complements the first movie, but subverts certain plot points. But I will say this movie is very uh, half baked. Um, there's not a lot of choices that I agree. I honestly think they just, if they would have just like, thought about it a little more things would have come together like you know fleshing out more of the parallels between charlie and ed and their friends if, if this movie was honestly i feel like if i say this shelton's gonna text me out of nowhere and be like stop it but um if this movie was just more about friendship it, i probably would have came together a little bit more if it was just focused on charlie and ed like it seemed like it wanted to be at the beginning of the movie and then, you know, that transition, because we all have that transition. I mean, usually it's between middle school and high school. And I mean, it can happen. You, you you end up, you know, falling apart from certain friends. And so that anxiety kicks in. That can honestly manifest itself into vampirism. You can make that movie. But because I feel like not only were they beholden to that original movie's plot, um, they kind of didn't fall too much into that and i can you have amy so you kind of need her to do something but uh overall i think it's a good remake i recommend it i do i don't love it as much as i love the first movie but i would i do try to make an effort to watch this from time to time and remember it i do love the setting of las vegas i feel like more horror, more horror movies should be set in las vegas because right now i think what only this movie and what Re leprechaun 3 are the only ones that <laughs> oh my god that come to mind when it comes <laughs> to movies set in las vegas so we need to fix that <laughs> um but yeah i i agree there's there are certain things i feel like they should just thought about a little bit more mainly because you know notice how i didn't mention the the the, you know the commentary i had about the first movie but i think it's still here the the you know the the commentary on masculinity with uh jerry and charlie like that that's still relatively here in this movie but it's overshadowed because you do have a much more interesting dynamic between charlie and ed and i feel like if they would have focused on that and adding use utilizing the characters they added rather than just trying to like i don't know flesh out the body count it would have worked a little more so yeah but overall it's still a recommend for me i recommend both movies but i understand where you guys are coming from and so i respect it i'm glad that we finally got some not recommends on this podcast because we tend to recommend everything <laughs> with that being said thank you guys for joining me roderick it's always a pleasure having you you make this podcast so so much fun and so so much better zai so glad you got your first episode in uh, just a little short behind Aramis. He did he did a few episodes before you, but wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> he did a few episodes before you, but uh, my goal is to have both of you guys on for an episode soon, coming soon. So hopefully, uh, but it was really great. It was really great having you, bud. I I really I hope you enjoyed being on the podcast. Yes, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Um, thank you for allowing me to speak. I I know I've said some crazy things, probably, but. Um, <laughs> Thanks for allowing me to do so. It was great meeting you, Roderick, and uh, thank you for having me again. Likewise, man. All right. With that being said, guys, thank you for listening to the Murder War Podcast. Up next, we are finally getting to a movie 
that I've been dying to talk about again, dying to watch again, dying to put on this podcast. My favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. Like this is top five, top 10, I should say probably top five, <laughs> but the lost boys, we're finally getting to the lost boys. Uh, I hope that I have either one of you guys back for that one. Um, I also have another special guest who was, uh, who would like to join us. So hopefully we'll have him on, but I love the lost boys with a passion. So can't wait to talk about that one after that episode, I believe we're doing From Dust Till Dawn, which, fun fact, me and Savannah tried to do an episode on From Dust Till Dawn way back when the podcast first started in 2020, but the episode didn't work out very well. So I'm doing a second attempt here, and uh, just because From Dust Till Dawn is one of the best vampire movies ever made, like hands down. If you don't know this movie, <laughs> buckle up, because it's a ride. But um, But that being said, guys... Thank you again for joining. Thank you again for listening. And we'll catch you again on Fright Night for real. But for right now, it's just the Murder Board Podcast. (laughs) 